bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good Thursday morning, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys. That would be John McMullen and me, Jordy McDonald. Uh, Johnny Mac, while most of the city is gripped and ready for game three of the NLCS between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks today in Arizona, Eagles got a football game to get ready for. Eagles have an important football game to get ready for coming off a loss against the Jets and taking on the best offense in the National Football League through six games. That would be the Miami Dolphins coming to town. Prepped, ready to rock. Are the Eagles just chomping at the bit to get back out there on Sunday night football? Yeah, I'm sure they are, actually, because they're coming off a bad game, so you always want to get back out there as quickly as possible, generally, to get that uh, sour taste out of your mouth. So I, I think, yeah, I think they'll be... Uh, pretty excited to get back on the the field, try to prove some things. I think a lot of people are down on them after their performance at MetLife Stadium, and they look at Miami, and you mentioned they look at that offense, and they assume um, the Dolphins are just going to roll over the Eagles. I, I don't think that's going to happen for a couple reasons. Uh, most notably, you mentioned the Phillies. Um, it ain't easy to play here. <laughs> it, it it ain't easy to play here. Uh, you know, if the game were in Miami, I might have a different take, but uh, I don't know if this team can handle that environment. They're they're not a battle-tested group. They've kind of taken that step so far this year of being one of the better teams, but they, they haven't been that in the past. So they, this group hasn't been through that type of environment, and, and until I see it, um, I'm not necessarily going to believe it. Um, so, you know, by no means do I think the Eagles are just going to roll over them either. But I, I do think from the standpoint of the the panic-stricken uh, people, yeah, I, I don't think they should be as panicked as they are, is how I would say. I think that's very fair, and that's a, a good overall look at the Eagles. Um, but here's the one thing I will say. I, I think – uh, Lincoln Financial Field is one of the best home field advantages in the National Football League. 
maybe not the best, and on the baseball side, I would say Citizens Bank is the best home field advantage in the sport right now. And the Eagles have played two home games so far. And they did what they had to do to take care of Minnesota. They they couldn't really step on their neck and put them out. Kirk Cousins kept throwing the ball all over the lot and threw for almost 400 yards to keep the Vikings in the game. It was never in doubt. Not like, oh, shoot, the Eagles going to lose this game. But they also didn't blow out Minnesota. They didn't handle them as easily as they did the previous year. <clears throat> and then the Washington game was an overtime game that, yeah, they left the door open. And if Ron Rivera had a little bit more nerve, the Eagles could have lost that game. They didn't, but they could have. They haven't exactly been dominating at home this year, John. Uh, well, you know, you could argue they lost to Washington so it, it, last year, so it would be a slight improvement to, to get out of there with a win. Um, no, they haven't been. I, I do think the Minnesota game, I mean, the final score was close. A lot of garbage time, uh, yardage points. I think they were up 20 uh, at one point. So it was very, to me, it was very similar to last year's game, except uh, the Vikings got some garbage time stuff done. And that concerns me with the Eagles secondary because I think that's, you know, the weakness uh, specifically up the middle and the back seven, I should, I should say, because the corners, the outside corners are good, but um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I think, you know, that looks closer on paper than it really was and, you know, division games and all that kind of stuff. And, but, but when you bring up home field, I, I do think, and I always say this with Green Bay for years, you know, people talk about the history of, of, of uh, Lambeau Field and all that kind of stuff. Well, Green Bay didn't have a home field advantage between Bart Starr and Brett Favre. Didn't have one. Didn't have one. In fact, they play a couple games a year in Milwaukee at the old county stadium. They didn't care. They're trying to draw fans at the time. They were a bad football team. So, number one, to have a home field advantage – same thing with the Phillies in baseball. You got to have a good team, number one, and then the fans get fired up. I would say over the past, you know, since Super Bowl 52, and, and, and you look at Super Bowl 52 and the run to Super Bowl 57, well, what did they have in common? People had to go through Lincoln Financial Field. And the only team that put up a fight in either of those two years really was Atlanta. And that, you know, was brought to the forefront because Julio Jones was here. Julio had a chance to win that game for people that forget, and the Falcons weren't able to get it done. That was the only team that even put up a fight at, at Lincoln Financial Field. So I think over that span, they've had, if not the best home field advantage, certainly amongst the best two or three. But again, that depends on who's good at the time and, and who has passionate fans. And the Eagles are good and have passionate fans. So I think they're right at the top when it comes to home field advantage. And that's why it's so important to this team, Jody, to not fall a leg behind San Francisco or Detroit because they know they're in good shape if, if, home, if they have home field advantage come to playoffs and they get that number one seed. They know they're in really, really good shape. And that's why you see, and we, you know, there was some crystallization yesterday when Devontae Smith showed up on the injury report with a hamstring 
And now you go, oh, well, you know, because I was wondering, you know, that seems to me an overreaction to get that desperate so soon after one bad loss to go get Julio Jones. Now you start to see, all right, well, they're not going to have Devontae Smith for a couple weeks. Um, they can't fall behind San Francisco, Detroit. They need to stay in the pace, so they got to do everything. That's the whole goal. The goal of this team isn't the NFC East. Everybody never likes to look ahead. But the whole goal of this team is to get home field advantage because they know if they get it, you know, they got to play really poorly to not take advantage of it. Right. They had it last year. They finished with the best record in the NFC last year. And as you just noted, the home games they played last year in the postseason weren't close. No. So they want to reproduce that this season, which means they got to finish up with the best record. So, uh, yeah, home losses, uh, not acceptable this time. But I, I am uh, on record. I think Dolphins are coming in here and scoring points against this defense with the shape that it's in right now and their offense, uh, the way that they're playing. I think they're they're putting up a 30 spot. So I think if the Eagles are going to win this game, it's going to have to be a shootout. Now, they're capable of winning a shootout, but it's going to have to be a shootout. I don't think this game is going to be played in the 20s. You mentioned Julio Jones said looking forward to seeing and hearing from Julio for the first time. Did he tell you what you needed to hear from his attitude, from how the negotiations came to the fore and eventually got done? Uh, did Julio give you what you needed to hear to feel good about the sign? Um, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a he's a good guy. You can tell he's an Alabama guy. I always say those guys are are, are trained correctly for you know his sort of status and reputation. He's very humble. Uh, which is always a positive, especially at that particular position. Um, you know, because at one point he was the best receiver in football. He is going to the Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, he said all the right things. He's just here to, you know, fit in. But he did say he was going to dominate. He was here to dominate as well. So we'll see how that shakes out. But, uh, yeah, for a first impression, I thought he came off uh, very, very well. Was he asked, did you ask, um, if the Eagles and he had been talking for a period of time or whether it was just something that came up on Monday that his agent got an urgent call from Howie Roseman and uh, it came together that quickly that they got the, the deal done um, because you had said it smacked up a little desperatism for you were those fear delayed for you yesterday by anything Julio said? Uh, he was asked and uh, showed his uh, savviness. He said, I can't really comment on that kind of stuff, uh, but how he's a great GM, great energy guy, everything about him, just in talks and him yesterday face-to-face. Um, so, you know, I got the feeling it was last minute. I, I, I don't know uh, because he's too savvy. Uh, but again, you know, I didn't know Devontae Smith was hurt and he didn't practice. Um, so that was the new piece of the puzzle for me. Um, and uh, it was a walkthrough, so it was an estimation. Um, and we'll have to see today as they get on the field. Um, but, you know, if you can't get if, – if, if you can't participate in a walkthrough, it's hard to imagine – He's going to be practicing today in a full practice. 
Now, on the other hand, they could be resting him, so we'll get more clarity today. But, yeah, we didn't know. Devontae talked after the game, you know, took accountability for the drops. That might explain some of the drops as well. Um, obviously didn't mention he was injured, and bang, he pops up on the injury report. So, you know, we've been talking about that since the preseason. What if, um, you know, I, I, I would – constantly say I don't have a problem with Quez Watkins and even Alameda Zacchaeus as a third receiver as a second receiver I got a big problem as I got a big problem they're just not capable of handling that kind of workload now it's baked into it it's it's really hard to replace a player like Devontae Smith or even more so AJ Brown Um, so I mean that's part of it but you got to have better options, and now the Eagles have a better option um, in Julio Jones. I don't know how much he has left at 34. I did look at, you know, there aren't many 34-year-old receivers producing in the NFL. Um, you know, it's a, it's a young man's league, so to speak, young man's position as well, even more so than some others. You can see you know, Andrew Whitworth played till he was 40 at a high level. Jason Peters played at a high level late into his 30s and, you know, still wants to play. There are certain positions you can do it. Wide receiver generally isn't one of them. I agree. Um, so we have to see how much he has left, but I, I I would be shocked if he's not more productive than Alameda Zacchaeus would be since he's, you know, Quez is hurt and, and Quez as well. I would be shocked if he wasn't more productive than those guys. And that's why I had no problem with the signing and even applauded Howie for it. They needed an upgrade at that position. Even, even before, I was good with the signing before Smitty showed up on the estimated injury list going forward next week and a week after that and a week after that. You don't know if an injury is going to crop up in game before getting whatever. Yeah, I have much more confidence with Julio Jones. Granting that he's not the Julio Jones that we knew of for a decade, the only thing that matters to me, compare him to Quez Watkins. If he's an upgrade from Quez Watkins, good job, Barry Roseman. Uh, nice signing. And I think that's well, the one case. of the things I, I would just say, and I've said it pretty consistently, one of the things I laud. Uh, Howie for typically is to me there's a science to roster building it's it is a science um, and it's not just about who's better um, as I said you know if you want to look at Callaway who they worked out this week and say well he's better than Britton Covey and bring him in because he's better receiver and he is um, or or the other kid Patman is better than Greg Ward, which he probably is, and you bring him in, I don't think you make yourself a better team. And I always go back, Mike Tice, when I covered Minnesota, there was a running back by the name of Mo Williams, who was just really good uh, for people that don't remember. Was a great, you know, you know, backup running back, but a great runner as a compliment, great receiver, great blocker. That was back in the days when running backs could block. And, and you know, Mike was hardly the first one to say this, but it's been around forever. But it always stuck with me with Mo Williams because he was like, yeah, you're right. And, you know, we said 
you, you can't win with 53 Mo Williams, but you can't win without one. And that's, you know, role players are real. It's just like, I always use the, the, the combat, the, the comparison of baseball utility players, old school baseball. Cause I go back, it's the game has changed so much where you could say, and I always use Lu, Luis Soho as my example, who could play like seven different positions and not play for two weeks and come up and get a big hit. Whereas you could have somebody in the minor leagues way better from a talent perspective, a better player, but he can't fit that role. And that's, that's the only issue I think a lot of people miss. It's not, and you hear it a cliche all the time. We well, got to take the best 53. Nobody takes the best 53. Nobody. That, that is the biggest bullshit in the world. You don't take your 53 best players. You got to fit the puzzle into place. And that's what Howie does better than anybody typically. And if Devontae wasn't hurt and Quez wasn't hurt, I don't think Julio would be here. So now it's crystallized for me um, a little bit, I would say. Okay. And I hear everything you say and agree with everything you say, John. Uh, you and I just look at one thing differently. The threat that is Quez Watkins. Yeah, well, is you're caught up in threat. It could be a llama day. Forget about Quez. Eliminate Quez. It could be a llama day. Hey, who, you're caught who, up in who is Julio, who is Julio replacing? He's right replacing now he's re- Quez. Right now he's replacing Alama Day. Uh Alama Day is the third receiver. And honestly, if Devontae Smith um Alamade was the fourth receiver. Quez was the third receiver. Alamade was the fourth receiver. Quez got hurt. Julio Jones is jumping over Alamade, but he's replacing Quez. Well, it, when they signed Julio Jones, he went and, and if you look at Nick Sirianni's press conference yesterday, he bent over backwards to uh, prop up Alamade Zacchaeus. I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if you listened to it. Um, he bent over backwards to say Alamade Zacchaeus. He said, Wes Watkins is out for a little bit. Here's exactly what he said, as everybody knows. But I do want to take a second to say a guy like Oz, uh, Alamade, the toughness that he has, how reliable he is as a player, a guy like that always has a spot on offenses that I'm going to be a part of, always. I've been able to have great success with guys that have two common denominators of toughness and reliability. He's talking about Zach Pascal there, by the way. And so he's going to continue to give us uh, as we continue on right here. So in no indication is this a knock on Oz. It's just where we are, a little banged up, blah, blah, blah. He continues. Now, maintain, Jody, nobody asked him about Oz. Right. Oh, he this, does this he, all he just, time. He, he, he does just it brought Quiz, it up. too, just out of nowhere. He'll prop up Quiz. Yeah. That's he, the way he, he, he handles wide receivers. That's nothing new. That's the way Nick Sirianni coaches up his guys. Yeah. He just brought it up. So, look, he's fine with Oz as a role player. He's fine with Quez Watkins as a role player. And that's why I say there's a science to roster building. He's not fine with them. And more importantly, by the way, Howie Roseman's not fine with them if they have to be traffic players, if they have to get the football. 
he's not fine with them. And that's understandable. And that's understandable. But if Quez didn't hurt his hamstring and Devontae didn't hurt his hamstring, I don't think Julio would be here right now. You're probably right. Uh, and I would disagree with both Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni. They needed an upgrade at that position. Alamade is a good fourth wide receiver. Every time you got to move up a step, move up a peg, you're asking a guy to do more. Is he capable of doing it? Are you lessening your team when you ask them to do that? I would have said yes, and that's why I'm good with the Julio Jones uh, signing. Injuries or not, it becomes more necessary because of injuries, but I would have thought that it was a good move anyway. So the Eagles, we do not know if they're going to be at 100% at the wide receiver position with Devontae Smith questionable this weekend. We know Quez Watkins is out for four weeks. So what? Um, we also know that there are some very talented wide receivers coming to town this week with the Miami Dolphins, and we're going to get a Dolphin perspective next. Uh, Greg Cody from the Miami Herald, longtime Miami uh, writer, Dolphin uh, opinion generator, is going to jump on with us next. Greg Cody from the Miami Herald with a Dolphin perspective. You're on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365 with Mac and Mac, John McMullen, and Jody McDonald. We're going to get a southern point of view next. Heading down to Miami with the Dolphins coming up here to take on the Birds on Sunday. Greg Cody's been covering the Miami Dolphins for years. You might recognize him from his appearances on the Dan Levitard show. He's got his own show, the Greg Cody Show, on YouTube, kind of like us. Greg, Jody Mac, and John McMullen here. How things down there in Florida? I'm guessing a little warmer down where you are than we're up here in uh, Philadelphia. Well, actually, um, it's funny. We're having a, a real winter down here, a, a South Florida cold snap. It's actually uh, been dipping into the 60s at night. So, Oh, poor, poor you, Greg. Yeah, poor so, it's, uh, you know, we're all bundled up here. We've got our Mackinaws on and our heavy winter coats, uh, but, but we're doing okay. I apologize that my background, I don't have a beautiful cityscape as a background like you guys do. So I apologize in advance for that. Uh, that's fine. We give that uh, uh, ocean casino resort in Atlantic city. If you're in uh, uh, Philadelphia, South Jersey area. So that's a great sponsor. So that's our background. Uh, but good to see you, Greg. I, you know, it, by the way, I would just use the extra storage space and not buy uh, winter clothes in South Florida, but that's me. Uh, we're used to it. Uh, but we'll talk about the Dolphins. And, and you know, the first thing I think that jumps out to everyone is the team speed uh, the Dolphins have on offense. And you look at next-gen stats and basically everybody, the top six fastest players in, in game action this year are Miami Dolphins. Um, just how impressive has that offense been? It's the best offense the Dolphins have ever had. And keep in mind, this is a team that won Super Bowls in the 70s with Larry Zonka and a run game that didn't pass much. And then they set NFL records with Dan Marino in the 80s into the early 90s with a, a great passing game that couldn't find a, a running back. So this is the first Dolphins offense that's ever done everything well, passing and running. Raheem Mostert's been out of nowhere. He's a, a huge, pleasant surprise. Um, what Tua is doing with Tyreek Hill and Waddle is, is uh, it, it, the, the stats are out there. I mean, they, they have the best offense quantifiably in the NFL right now, and it's exciting to watch. And, and keep in mind, this is a Dolphins offense that has been very dull for a long time, you know, with Dave Wanstead embracing the idea that punting can be a good thing and uh, and always rely too much on the field goal. And now all of a sudden, it's a dynamic offense. When they trailed Cal uh, Carolina 14-0 in the first quarter last week, nobody in the stadium thought they were going to lose. I mean, you're down 14-0, granted to a, a, a winless team. And everybody knew that the Dolphins had the firepower to win. We know that Tyree Kill is the fastest guy in the National Football League. If it's not, it could be his teammate, Devin Chan, who is injured, not going to play this week. Rookie got off to an unbelievable start. You mentioned Mozart. Seems like all he does is score touchdowns. 
But it all starts with Tua Tungavaloa. If the quarterback isn't the quarterback, don't know that everything works the way that it's worked so more, so fast for so far for this offense. Last year he got off to a good start again, but then the injury started with the concussions and the like. We're noticing that he isn't being taken hard to the turf this year. That they tinker with the offense to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as humanly possible. How much of this is on Tua Tungavaloa? making the adjustments necessary to keep himself on the field and be the guy who's pulling the trigger on all these offensive shots. Yeah, that's a, a huge factor. You know, he took uh, jujitsu lessons during the offseason to learn properly how to fall. Uh, and uh, he, he and Mike McDaniel get along so well. Uh, uh, Brian Flores and Tua never got along. I don't think they liked each other. Uh, and and now he's a happy guy to and he's playing like it. The offensive line has been better than expected. Um, two is the MVP front runner. I think the odds change every week, but he's right up there. And and mm-hmm. the big if is if he stays healthy. But right now, there's no indication that uh, that the concussion problems are going to be recurring. Um, he did his post game news conference last Sunday in his full uniform there wasn't a grass stain on it he wasn't sacked at all and um and so far it's been a delightful season for Tua it really has um Mike McDaniel we got to talk about because he's sort of the flavor of the the month in this league um you know he's he's the architect of this offense um all the motion they use, all the movement, Craig. It's interesting because the Dolphins have the number one offense. The Eagles have the number two offense, but there's a hundred yard difference between the two teams. Um, and and the biggest difference is the Dolphins use more motion than anybody in the history of football, and the Eagles are thirty second in motion. Uh, it, it's it that to me is the most interesting part of this game. It proves you can win in multiple ways in the NFL, which is a good thing to me in this era. But how impressive is Mike McVan? Because he's a little bit different, too. How did he – obviously, he's won over people now, but how, how have people in Miami taken Mike and that personality? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because when he was hired, uh, he wasn't uh, extremely well-known, and they they were hiring a guy – who hadn't done any other uh, head coach interviews for the job, you know, the initial impression was, well, who's Mike McDaniel and, and what's he going to do? But he's proven himself um, on a, on a personal level. He's delightful to cover, you know, because the, his predecessor, Brian Flores was one of the, the dullest post-game <laughs> interviews imaginable uh, <laughs> win or lose. He always acted like he was giving a eulogy. Uh, instead of a post-game talk. And and now Mike McDaniel is, is delightful. He's funny. Uh, he's got a great perspective. And you're right. He he, he has that motion offense. Tyreek, um, most of the balls he catches, you know, granted, he'll he'll go downfield for the bomb, but most of the catches he catches are uh, slants across the middle where he'll catch the ball 8, 10 yards downfield, but with such space that his speed allows him to turn that eight yard pass into a 48 yard gain. And um, it's so far uh, the NFL hasn't been able to stop it. We're lamenting here in Philadelphia that the Eagles are a little banged up coming into this game. Injuries, 
the week before and coming out of this past week against the Jets. But the Dolphins got the fair their fair share of injuries as well. They're missing Armstead. Uh, a Chan goes down, even though you've got a guy like Moser to step in. It'll be a one-back attack, which is still pretty damn good, rather than a two. Um, close to getting Jalen Ramsey back, but he's not going to play this week. How have the Dolphins been able to work through the injuries that they've suffered so far this year? I, very well. I, I think they're actually getting healthier at large, as as you mentioned uh, a couple of examples. Um, uh, Jalen Ramsey practiced this week on a limited basis for the first time, so I think I think he's really close to coming back. Um, uh, Jeff Wilson, the backup running back uh, or third team running back, when a Chan is healthy, he's uh, going to play this week. Uh, Jalen Phillips, their big pass rusher. Uh, is is going to be back in the last week. And in the context of Lane Johnson perhaps not playing, I think having Jalen Phillips back to put pressure and to maybe help contain Hurts a little bit is going to be a big deal as well. So I think their health is actually pretty good right now. Xavier Howard, the cornerback, is questionable, but I think he's one of those questionable designations that you don't really worry about him not playing. Yeah, that's big. Uh, they started Jalen Ramsey's window. Now, Mike m- ruled him out for the Eagles game, so Eagles fans don't have to panic. But, Greg, I got to tell you, Nick Sirianni loves Jalen Ramsey, thinks he's the best cornerback in football. So that, that'll that be a big break if they can get him back on the field uh, uh, quickly. You mentioned the running game. I want I want to talk about the running game for a couple reasons. One, everybody's enamored with the passing game for obvious reasons, but uh, a Shane and, and Raheem Mostert have been tremendous uh, as well. And I go back to the offseason. It seemed like everybody was talking about the Dolphins trading for Saquon Barkley, trading for Josh Jacobs, bringing Dalvin Cook home. Was that real or the day was that more manufactured and people just saying, well, who's who's, you know, they got a rookie. They got Raheem Mostert. By the way, he was an undrafted. The Eagles signed him out of Purdue as an undrafted free agent back in the day. Um, was that real? And did the Dolphins just get kind of, you know, didn't realize what they potentially had in the backfield? No, I, I think that was sort of a shiny toy for we in the media to play with, to be honest with you. The idea that they were going to uh, bring in a, 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 quote, big name running back. And Jonathan Taylor was at the forefront. Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah. yeah, and so... You know, I mean, I think if the price was right, they're not going to turn down a Jonathan Taylor. But I don't think they were ever serious about spending big and giving up a first-round draft pick or something for a, a, a name running back. You know, keep in mind, Mike McDaniel, Raheem Mostert, he knew him from the San Francisco days, and, and he knew how fast he was and what he was trying to build with speed first down here. And so they were very sad. It's why they drafted a Chan, because he was the fastest running back in the entire draft. Uh, they they have two of the fastest running backs in the entire league right now, and and they're doing great things with them. And so I I think the all talk about bringing in a running back was was mostly uh, a media thing. I don't think it was very serious with the club. Craig, it was asked of Jalen Hurts this week what it's going to be like going up against Tua Tagovailoa. We know they'll never be on the field at the same time. They don't really play against each other, but they're matched up against each other. And, of course, the history that they have going back to Alabama. I thought Hurts handled it well. I said, listen, 
to his having success and I'm rooting for him every week, except for this week. And uh, he's been great. And he, he was very complimentary of him. Those Alabama guys are schooled pretty well. I'm assuming that Tua was asked as well and handled it with as much depth as uh, Jalen Hurts did here in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, and Tua's used to this by now. There's so many Alabama quarterbacks in the league. He sure. had the same same situation. Yeah, Mac last Jones week. twice a year. That's right. I forgot exactly. about that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and he had the same situation with Bryce Young uh, last week. Uh, Bryce Young, who went to Alabama because he was inspired that a quarterback that reminded him of himself was doing so well at Alabama. So yeah, he's very complimentary about Jalen Hurts, and I don't think it's contrived. I think it's just Alabama guys respecting each other and and wishing yeah. each other well. And and I'm sure. Uh, Tua feels the same, you know, when they're not playing the Eagles, Jalen Hurts uh, uh, is lights out. So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting subtext, though, because there are a lot of Alabama quarterbacks floating around right now. Yeah, that that whole room. Mac Jones was the third string quarterback when they were there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Nick Saban does a pretty good job, not only, obviously, with his football team, but getting his players ready to handle uh, media responsibilities and things like that. Those Alabama guys tend to be locked in, Greg. Um, uh, you know, a big sort of narrative here in Philadelphia is Vic Bangio because Vic um, was here as a consultant um, in, in route to the Super Bowl, uh, helping the Eagles out. Um, a lot of Eagles fans wanted him to be their next defensive coordinator, but it didn't work out timing-wise, and they hired a big Bangio disciple in Sean Desai. Um, how is Vic doing in Miami? Um, you know, statistically, they don't have a great offense, I don't think. Um, and, and they've really missed Jalen Ramsey, who's fairly close to coming back now, they hope. Um, Fangio's done well. And, you know, I, I wrote that he was probably their best offseason addition. You know, he's the, the guru defensive coordinators. One thing he did was, they were blitz crazy last year. Um, yeah, Brian, Brian Flores. Well, yeah, at, at the sacrifice of yeah. of their uh, of their. Now, that wasn't last year, but he, nobody blitzes more than that guy, Brian oh, Flores. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And and Fangio's a little bit more conservative in terms of that. Plays a little standard defense. Um, I think when they get uh, Jalen Ramsey back, they're going to be appreciably better. You know, because when Xavier Howard is your second best cover corner, I think uh, you have a pretty good starting point for a secondary. Right now, uh, I, I'm not sure if they're there yet. You know, they then with offense, unmistakably. All right, Greg, you mentioned earlier uh, in our conversation here that after the game was over last week against the Panthers, Tua did his uh, post-game interview nary a grass stain to be found on his uniform, that the Panthers didn't get anywhere near him. Tua gets a lot of credit for that because he is just getting the ball out and he knows how important it is and he has gotten significantly better at that. The coach gets a lot of credit for coming up with the scheme and putting it together to get the ball out as quickly as they do and get it in fast guy's hands and let him make plays after the catch. How much credit should the offensive line get? The Armstead's been down. Their key acquisition from a couple of years ago. It's a bunch of no names on that offensive line. Are they being underrated for their contribution that they're putting in for this Dolphins offense being number one in the league? Yes, is the short answer. I I think the most pleasant surprise of this season and this team 
has been the offensive line. Uh, like, like he, their only big name is Taron Armstead, and as good as he is, he has you, – you, you don't know whether he's going to be in the lineup from month to month. Uh, he's been injury prone. I hate to say it. And when you look at the injury list every week with that guy, it's like ankle, knee, this, that. There's like everything going on. But having said that, despite that, I think it's been a very good offensive line. Some of it is is Tua um, not putting a lot of pressure on his offensive line. He gets rid of the ball. Uh, he throws the ball away more than I've, I, have, I have ever seen him do. Uh, he's safe with the ball. He's careful. But the offensive line comes as a pretty good uh, center slash guard. But you're right. They have a lot of no-names in that lineup, but they've all come together. And, uh, and I think it's been – it's a strength of this team right now. You have to give them credit for the running game. You have to give them credit for Tua not taking a lot of hits. And, and it's been a, a, a very above average uh, from guys who were not expected to be a strength of this team. Um, Greg, you, you mentioned uh, last week in Carolina, they got down 14 points, the Dolphins. Everybody kind of yawned. They, they knew they would come back. And sure enough, they put up a 42 spot. This team has scored 70 points. Uh, there's not much to complain about except the one anomaly, and it was a pretty bad one at Buffalo, 48 to 20. What what the heck happened in that game? Buffalo played great, uh, which doesn't always. Uh, I, I couldn't believe what I saw of them against the Giants, for example. Buffalo tends to be very yeah. inconsistent, but they brought it uh, against their arch rival, and, and Miami did not play particularly well. I think that was it. I I don't overthink that game. I, I don't think it means Buffalo team or the best team in the AFC East. I think they were just better that day. And, uh, and the rematch is the last game of the season down here, which could very well be for the AFC East title uh, and, and perhaps just for a playoff spot. So we're going to see a rematch there that's worth watching. Uh, you know, Buffalo... Josh Allen, when he's on, is probably the toughest quarterback to contain in the league in terms of the run and the pass. And and they just they were off that game. You know, I don't I don't think there's any uh deeper way to to explain it. Uh, you know, they, they just had problems in Buffalo. Yeah, and they've got a rematch with Buffalo. And oh, by the way, Eagles got Bills coming up themselves in a couple of weeks. So that's uh, something the Eagles are gonna have to deal with as well. Um, right. last question for me, Greg. And maybe I missed this. We're up here in Philadelphia. You're down there in New York, in uh, Miami. Uh, if this was a story again, I apologize for not noting it. The undefeated Dolphins of 1973. Every year after the last team that hasn't lost a game, they try and get together. Used to have to do it uh, in person uh, with modern technology. Now you can do it via Zoom, but everybody tips a glass that we're still the only undefeated team. Did it happen last week? Because both the, the 49ers and the Eagles had the chance to run the table and go undefeated. Oops. They both yeah. lost last week. Did the remaining 73 Dolphins at least acknowledge, yeah, we're still the only right. undefeated. 72, I would say. 72, 70. I'd say 73. Yeah, yeah it, well, techni- Jody, technically you're right because it was the 72 season that ended in yeah, January. 73 Super Bowl, so right, right, right. We'll let you slide on that. But, uh, yeah, it's a... 
you know, it's a sentimental thing down here because there's a dwindling number of players left from that team. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the leaders of that toasting their perfection every year, Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris and BC and Larry Little, those tend to be, and Dick Anderson, the safety, those tend to be the front runners of that. And, and yeah, they did, they did it again. And some people find that a little bit off putting, um, I, I think it's great. Uh, yeah, I would say those things. do you guys? Yeah, I would never shut up about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, that's that. I mean, 1972, and obviously the Patriots got very, very close. Uh, yep. But for that to stand, and it's so hard. We see it every year. I mean, the Eagles have been so good, and they lay an egg. Everybody lays an egg in this league. You know, yeah. San Francisco loses to P.J. Walker, at quarterback, in the same it's week. incredible. Yeah. The yeah. whole league is built on parity, and there's one team that was perfect. Yeah, I wouldn't stop bragging about it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're right. And and the amazing thing is, you know, usually somebody's going to get to 7-0 or 8-0 or maybe 10-0, I think. I don't know you begin to really that becomes the storyline again but nobody gets past five and oh that's that's, yeah, that's remarkable. yeah yeah i think the dolphins did lose they played i don't know six preseason games back then i think they did lose in the preseason but they, I'm not sure. they did i'm not sure great no they did in fact i think they might have two and four in the preseason wow yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah kind of kicked it into gear when it mattered. All right, so I've said on this show this week, Greg, that the Dolphins are putting up a thirty spot against the Eagles. I don't think there's any way they come in here and get less than thirty. They've gotten forty. They've got. They've gotten seventy. They've gotten unbelievable numbers so far this year. Um, did the Eagles have any chance to stop this Dolphin offense, or are they just a machine right now that everyone in the National Football League has to fear? I think it's a it's a shootout born to happen. I think if you're a betting person, you, know, you look at the over. You look at betting the over before you look at either team. It it just feels those, you know, thirty four to thirty one kind of games. Uh, I don't think they're. I think the Dolphins will score. I think their offense will be what we've seen all season. Uh, but I don't see them stopping the Eagles either. Uh, I, the the Jets game really surprised me. And, but the Jets have probably a better defense than the Dolphins. So I expect a high-scoring game. I'm still trying to figure out who's going to win the game. i got to make my NFL picks today. So if you guys are privy to who's going to win the game, now would be a good time to tell me. Yeah. Well, I, I, the Eagles are banged up. I would say this. If Devontae Smith can't play, I think the Eagles are in trouble. Uh, that, now, they just brought in Julio Jones, but – how much at 34 can Julio help? And how much could he help with a week of preparation? Right. Where, you know, I had a walkthrough yesterday. Um, so I don't, I, I think the Eagles will be really up against it because they are going to have to score some points. And if they don't have Devontae Smith, uh, they're going to have trouble doing that. But I will say this as well, Greg, big home field advantage in Philadelphia, really difficult place to play. Um, I, 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 I don't know. You think Miami's ready for that type? Because that's that's a big thing in the NFL, to go on the road against a good team, especially in a passionate Northeast market where there's going to be some expletives thrown around occasionally. Oh, for uh, sure. You, yeah, so it's a difficult place to play. Has Mike addressed that? Has, has anyone kind of brought that up down there? 
No, that's that's something that that they don't want to confess uh, being worried about. Um, you know, the crowds. I mean, the Jets are uh, can be a nasty crowd to the Dolphins, so I don't think they're worried about a hostile environment. I think they'd probably be more concerned about the weather. I mean, if it's you know if it's in the the low fifties with uh, drizzling rain, I don't think that's good for their offense. So um, I've been looking at Accu. I don't know exactly what to make of it, but it's certainly not going to be uh, Miami weather. That's for sure. Greg, feel free to go to that closet over your shoulder and get out that winter coat since it's getting all the way down into the 60s for you guys this week. Appreciate you jumping in with us. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Guys. Thanks, Greg. Greg Cody from the Miami Herald, longtime uh, Miami uh, lead columnist covering the Dolphins and everything else in sports down in uh, Miami. Thomas, oh my God, it's getting into the 60s. What a life that yeah. Yeah, it's got the winter jacket. At Greg Cody, by the way, make sure you follow him on Twitter X, uh, columnistmiamiherald.com. You can read them there. Uh, so just want to stick that in there. Give Good dude. Plugs. I had him for the first time on my CBS show uh, earlier this summer uh, to talk Dolphins when they were making moves. Did a great job for me there and uh, was, I hope you thought, enjoyable with us here today. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. Uh, talk a little bit more about that home field advantage. John, it's leaning heavily on that being a major plus for the Eagles this week. I hope he's right. Um, the big road game that the Dolphins have played this year was up in Buffalo and they got Boat raced by the yeah. Dolphins. So Lost maybe, by four touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe John's on to something that the key element of this game is the fact that it's taking place here in Philadelphia. We'll talk a little bit uh, more about Julio Jones, how he is going to be used this week. Walks through. Oof. Now he's got the offense down. They had that tremendously uh, competitive walkthrough yesterday. Uh, he's going to have to make a play or two this weekend against the Dolphins. We'll come back and talk more about the matchup. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Appreciate you streaming in on Birds 365. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. It is closing in on a Sunday night matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, some interesting points of view in the chat, John. I was reading during the during the break, which one of them lends itself to a question for me to give to you. Um, this past week against the Jets, the Eagles' first loss of the season. I uh, hear Bird on Birds 365 Monday. I questioned. And I had sung the praises of Brian Johnson because uh, in the game against the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings earlier this year, the Vikings came out, the aforementioned Coach Flores decided, oh, yeah, we're going to dare you throw the football. We're, we're going to go uh, light boxes and drop back in defense and give extra help to coverage, and we're just going to dare the Philadelphia Eagles run the football. And guess what? DeAndre Swift ran it right down their throats. And the offensive coordinator was not afraid to go to that as far as play calling. Are you going to give us something? We're going to take something, and we're going to take it with both fists. And if we got to beat you a different way than we usually beat people, that we beat people last year, that's okay with us. And they did just that against the Vikings. And I gave Brian Johnson a lot of credit for that. Last week against the Jets, I think they overreacted to the opponent. I think that they saw the injury list before the game started and they're missing their two, one superstar cornerback, one star cornerback, and their top two backups at cornerback. And they said, well, we're just going to throw the ball all over the lot. There's no way the Jets are going to stop our passing game with guys coming up from the practice squad who've never played the National Football League before. And I think they overadjusted. I think they gave too much credence to the team they were playing. Now, Brian Johnson isn't ever going to admit to that, but that's my read on the situation. Agree or disagree? Oh, yeah. I said the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. They got, they just saw the corners and said, all right, we're just going to kill these guys. And yeah, I think they, they leaned too heavily towards that. Hall played well, actually, I think. Um, and uh, the other guys weren't terrible. Um, you know, they weren't great. Obviously, AJ if had If Devontae doesn't drop a couple yeah. of very catchable yeah. balls, it could have been a different yeah. story. So, you know, they, it, I, they, look, the Eagles still should have won the game, but I agree with you. I think they over sort of emphasized. Um, and I, by the way, I don't, yeah, I understand it. I mean, I, I said, well, they're going to take advantage you know, I remember talking to Seth because Seth is an old school guy and he's always, well, they're, you know, the Jets came into that game. Uh, 
I forget the exact number, but not good in run defense. And he was like, run the football, run the football. And I'm like, they're, they're down four corners. They're going to throw the football. That's what they're going to do. That's what they should do. It made sense. But then you get in game and, you know, things don't work out the way you may, may have expected. But I'll also say to defend Brian Johnson, they couldn't run the ball when they did run the ball. So, I mean, they were at, they were at, they only had six carries in, 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 in the first half, traditional carries, because Jalen Hurts had a couple, and Jalen Hurts had the only successful ones, by the way. Um, six carries, I believe, were zero yards, I believe, was the was the number. Um, was it that bad? I didn't see the halftime yeah. stats. I'll, uh, I'll right. look it up real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a disaster. Uh, DeAndre was at negative four. I know that um at halftime so when you're not successful at all running the football i mean you got to be really disciplined people can talk about being disciplined but if you're not getting it's one thing to be disciplined if you're getting two or three yards then you could be that's how washington beat the eagles last year at home 3.3 yards a carry you could Mm -hmm. be disciplined if you're really really focused on it when you're getting nothing or negative runs, it's it's almost impossible to be to be that kind of disciplined, uh, and that was that was part of it as well. Um, and here we go, first half. Yeah, negative two. DeAndre was four carries for negative two yards, and Boston Scott had two carries for two yards. So the number was six total carries from the running backs for zero yards, zero net yards. And I don't know. Can you be disciplined? Could you have run it eight times for two yards? I guess so. Um, you're banging your head against the wall. Um, they yeah, but it's it went to how many carries, John? Six. Six. That's not a whole hell of a lot of carries for a half. In the National Football League. We use the phrase small sample size all the time. I would put that into the small sample size. All right. Well, then if you go to the, you know, if you go to the final statistics, they had uh, 14 carries from the running backs for a total of 33 yards. Um and and the majority of that was on one 12 yard run from Kenny Gainwell. Um, DeAndre Swift had the one nine yard run um, in that um, not final drive, but the drive where Jalen Hurts threw the interception. He had a nine yard run that helped them convert the first first down. They got the ball with four whatever left, four forty something, um, and he had a nine yard run. So he had 10 carries for 18 yards, Jody. That means the other nine carries, he had a total of nine yards. Right. right. It wasn't working. It right. wasn't working. It wasn't working. Generally speaking, it wasn't working. Could they have tried to do it more? I say yes. And and I am going to fault Brian Johnson, at least in part for that. Because coming into the game and going out of the game, even after this pitiful rushing performance, 
they're the number two rushing team in the National Football League. It's not like you're trying to elevate a part of your game that had done nothing before. They're the number two rushing offense in the National Football League, and they abandoned it pretty damn quickly. So here's my point I'm trying to get to this weekend against the Dolphins. If if and and I give the offense coordinator more credit than than caution with this stance and the way he's done his business first six games calling the plays, he does take into consideration the offense. He's not just, here's what we do, to use a John McMullen favorite word, hubris. Uh, he does not give in to hubris. He believes that you've got to evaluate on the fly and be able to decide as the game is unfolding, what's going, what's working, what are we going to do? I think Dolphins are going to put up points on Sunday. I'm sorry. I just think right now their offense is borderline unstoppable. And the Eagles with a questionable defense, more so because of injury than because of talent. But they've got questions coming into this week offensively. Do they? Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlay live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Start the game believing we got to score 30 plus to win this game. Do you think that's how they game plan it this week heading into it that, hey, we know the Dolphins are coming in here scoring points or do they believe that, hey, we'll be the team that's actually going to put the uh, Dolphin offense on hold more so than anybody else has this year. Um, uh, my my quick assumption would be they would try to shorten the game time of possession. So if they lose the toss, because we know they're not taking the football, but if they lose the coin toss, yeah, I would try to run the football. Um, I would try to keep them off the field. Um, and they don't have. I was just looking there. Um. 20th in in run defense so they're not terrible but they're not good right um yeah so i would i would think it's a different yeah mentality going into this game because you want to limit uh the dolphins uh chances somewhat that would make the most sense to me um and then if you get down 10 nothing or something then you got to go you know try to make it a shootout but I, I would think they would they would come into the game trying to 
you know, limit time of possession for the Dolphins um, and, and, and try to, and the, and the best way to do that is, is to run the football and they should be better obviously than the Jets, but in one last, you know, they did what, when they got the football with 443 left, they, they tried, even with all the difficulties, they tried to close out the game running the football and they couldn't, um, you had the one nine-yard run by DeAndre, which was good. Um, then I had a space touch to DeAndre, as we joked about that yesterday. Then he got to run it again, second and seven. So they got the first down. Things are going well. Um, the, uh, 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 pass to DeAndre, got three yards. Then they ran it on second and seven. No gain. And, and then they're third and seven. Up against it, Jalen Hurts makes the great throw to Dallas Goddard. You think the game is over. Um, and, and and pretty much, you know, people started leaving uh, MetLife Stadium, Jody, at that point. They were kind of feeling like, oh, this is, this, they're up against it. And the Eagles get the first down. They're at their own 45. They run the football. They get one yard. They run the football on second down. They get zero yards, and then it's the two-minute warning, and then they're third and nine, and they come out of the two-minute warning, and I'll be I, – I said it after the game, and I say it again today. I would have ran it again. Yep. I know I'm not getting it, but I'm going to drain the clock. Jets are out of timeouts, pump the football, force Zach Wilson to beat me. That's what I would have done. The Eagles tried to win the game, third and nine, the interception – but my my larger point, because you brought up the running, they tried to run the football to close the game. They couldn't run the football uh, and give the Jets defense. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, John, in this situation, I'm going to give the Jets defense more credit than I'm going to question the Philadelphia Eagles because the Jets know the run is coming. They know the Eagles are going to force them to take their uh, timeouts right there. So the fact that they stopped those Eagles on the two running plays before the big interception by Hurt. Did you think the Eagles were going to do anything other than run well, the football? I, I would like more than one yard on those plays. That uh, you know, if you if you're getting two That's or a three yards, good defense. If you know the run is coming and you've got talented defensive well, players, my larger you point should is, be able though, to hold them to no yards or one yard. No, um, my larger point for bringing that up was you're saying they they didn't run the ball. I'm saying they didn't abandon the run game. In fact, they tried to win the game with the run game, and they couldn't. Now, was part of that. Uh, the Jets defense, sure, of course. I'm not arguing that. But the bottom line is, against the best defense in the world, uh, one yard, zero yards, one yard, that's not acceptable. Not acceptable. You got to get three. You got to get me three. That's bad. Um, and especially with this run game or or what people think of it, and Jalen, you know, was fine. Uh, but the running backs did not play well. And and I can't blame Brian Johnson or Nick Sirianni in that limited aspect. Now, I'll kill them for that play call on third and nine. Yep. Um, but not, I mean, they tried to run the ball. They couldn't run the ball. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking more from mid second quarter to mid third quarter your your focus is on that final possession which yeah they ran it two straight times 
everyone on the planet knew they were going to run it two three. Well, they ran it early in the in, in the drive as well. Remember, they got two first downs in that drive. They got two first downs before, you know, it was the classic Eagles get the ball with 443 left and they just run out the clock. It looked like that was going to happen uh, once you got to the the set the third set of downs. They were running the football the entire time, uh, but they weren't running it successfully. And Jalen had to, you know, the first third and long um, was – um, the second, third, and long was the pass to Dallas Goddard. And the third, third, and long was um, uh, the interception to – And that's right. Uh, well, no, the first set of downs, there wasn't a third and long because I got – Oh, yeah, the first set was the nine-yard the nine right. yard DeAndre Murray. Yeah, so, so the second, the third, third second. and long. So third and long, conversion to Goddard, third and long, interception, uh, which is, by the way, all you – know, even though it was a bad, also even though it was a bad play call by um, Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, that's on Jalen Hurts as well because yeah. you know you can eat the football. There's a lot of things you can do there, and and just live to play another down, punt the football, and and they probably win the game. And the play I would have called on third down was a run pass option. Uh, either you run it into the middle if there's a gas, you hand it off. If not, you let Jalen try and make a play with his legs. Even if he gets taken down for a three or four yard loss, so what? You're gonna punt. You get yeah, you, exactly. you're already in good position. Like not like you're putting the punter in a bad spot by taking a three yard loss. You give him a little bit more room to try and kick it inside the ten. That was just a horrific uh, play call. I, and one of the guys you mentioned a couple times because he was key in that drive toward the end of the game. Let's take a more 20,000-foot look at him. Dallas Cotter, his name crops up on the injured list. Only limited <laughs> estimation as to what would have been if it had been a practice yesterday. Let's be honest. Six games in, Dallas Goddard is not having a good year. Coming into the season, I'm on record as saying there were three tight ends better than, in, than him in football. Kelsey, Kittle. Andrews in Baltimore. I add Dallas Goddard as the fourth best tight end coming into the year. We talk about fantasy football, where they rank, where they rank. He was, for me, the fourth best tight end. Some people talk him up as if he's the first or second best tight end in football. I think that's a little eagle-colored glasses on. But I had him at number four, which is pretty damn good. And maybe, just maybe, if he had a big year, he could jump into that top three. He's not even close. He's eighth in tight end reception yards this year and just overall receivers he's somewhere in the 50s if you want to be one of the top three tight ends in football you don't get off to the kind of start that dallas goddard has including the interception the other day against the jets which was basically a fumble he had the football it got knocked out of his hands he allowed it to be knocked out of his hands dallas goddard doesn't do that when dallas goddard catches the football he holds on to the football he didn't do it the other day What's wrong with Dallas Goddard? Yeah, it's fair to bring up. I, you know, I, I'm with you. I had him uh, number four behind the big three of whichever order you want to put him in: uh, Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, and then I thought it was Dallas Goddard and and maybe T.J. Hawkinson at number five. Um, hmm, uh, hasn't played like that. No. Um, I don't think he's been terrible 
I think part of it is, and I'll look up where he is in PFF while we're talking about this, but um, too many drops. Um, and even though that was a difficult play, you can't do that to your quarterback. Um, so that's an issue. I think the Eagles, uh, you know, we're talking about Brian Johnson. I don't think they've gotten him involved to where they typically are. Um, he's 14th uh, on on PFF from the film, so that's not terrible. Yeah. But it's it's, it's 14th he's typically, what, wide receiver. Or no tight, tight end, end um, which is not terrible top half, but it's not where he's supposed to be. That's what are you talking about. That's terrible. For Dallas oh, Goddard, terrible for him. For expectations yeah. coming into the season, yeah. if I for told him. you in August, John, six games into the season, Dallas Goddard is going to be the 14th ranked tight end in the National Football. Well, you that, know, some that's of that not terrible, and and really, he's 11th because there's limited. Like Josh Oliver's number one. He, he's he's a great blocker. Um, you, he's you're just, taking out the. I got you. I got you. Got you. Got you. So he's a he's the second tight end. He's not even the starter. But he's a great blocker, so he gets good grade. Will Disley's five. He's got 114 snaps, um, so he's not. He's a backup. Ogletree in Indianapolis, Fant in Seattle. Um, not these guys. C.J. Uzama's not. Tyler Conklin is um, plays more for the Jets, um, but C.J.'s got a better. Um, yeah, they he, split it. Conklin plays slightly more, but it's not like it's a heavy load. Like, well, Jack, 254 uh, Dallas to Jack Stoll here in Philadelphia. No, it's not that bad, but it's 254 to 147, so it's pretty significant. I mean, Conklin plays more. Um, so there's all the there's a bunch of number two tight ends that play well in the limited reps, and probably if they played more, they would get pushed down the list. So he's still top 10 from that perspective. But, yeah, he's not playing what he was expected to play, and it's mainly in the passing game. He's still got great blocking grades. Um, pass blocker, you know, he's he's right at the top. Run block, he's right at the top. So it's, you know, mainly the, the passing part of it. And I think part of that is um, the Eagles haven't used him for some reason, like they've used him in the past, and that's a fair criticism. But also, he, there's too many drops with Dallas Goddard. Too many, you know, whether it's focus, I don't know. But that's, to me, what's limited him from getting, <clears throat> pushing for that top three. And right now, he probably hasn't even been top five uh, in the NFL. And that's and a disappointment. Here's where I'll question the Eagles, and that's Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, everyone who's involved in the offense and the game plan and designing and everything else. Dallas Goddard's got way too many four-yard catches. That's not supposed to be Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard's supposed to be able to get down the field. Now, here's where I'll get on Goddard's case. He's not breaking tackles either. When he's getting those four-yard catches, he's going down pretty quick. The defensive backs are getting to him and taking him down. I think it's been a combination of Dad, Dallas Goddard not playing well and the Eagles' overall play design that they're going to the, 
I don't know if you'd call it, would you call it a bubble screen to a tight end, John? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They use that. And you know how much I hate that. Uh, yeah. Your receivers. favorite play, never, the bubble screen and the bubble mind, screen to a tight mind. end. Yeah. yeah. That's all McMullen. So, yeah. So, of the starting tight ends, he's eighth. So, I don't think mm-hmm. it's as bad as maybe people that, but it's not as good as it's supposed to be. So, Ke- Kelsey's one, uh, Kittle's two. <laughs> Sam Laporta is a great rookie in Detroit. Is three. Um, Mark Man, Andrews, Andrews is, is not putting up great numbers Mark, in Baltimore this year. He's off too. Mark is four. Um, Jace Ferguson um, from the Cowboys is five. Evan Ingram is six. He's more of a <clears throat> glorified slot receiver for Doug in Jacksonville. Cole Komet is seven. He's underrated in Chicago, but. You know, they're limited in the passing game. And then comes Dallas, uh, which is a little bit of a disappointment. But I will say this, too. Where's the former Dal- Cowboy tight end now in Houston? Um, let's see. Houston. By the way, nobody's played more than Dallas Goddard. His, his snap numbers are unbelievable. Dalton Schultz is 27th wow, overall. Wow, is he that far down? Yeah. Holy mackerel. 27. I thought that was actually going to be a deterrent. I thought the Cowboys uh, took a hit when he left. I know he's put up some uh, some yards and some touchdowns for Houston, but maybe he's just terrible at blocking. I don't know how he drops that low in the ratings. I think he's um, pretty good tight end. Let's see. He probably is. Yeah, most most are terrible blockers, to be honest. It's it's like running backs. Uh, uh, no, nah, he's pretty even. Um he hasn't been terrible, but uh, yeah, he's just um, he's just a solid player, as I would describe him. Um, and and by the way, that's not bad. Um, and and Dallas's grades are not bad, but not for what was expected of him. Right, I would say it's it's not what people expected. Yeah, I I would always look through the prism of expectations, and uh, so far this year. Dallas Goddard, just one of several Eagles that hasn't quite lived up to expectation. But here's the beauty of it. Six games. We still got uh, 11 to go. Plenty of time to get the ship right and get your numbers up uh, for Dallas Goddard. And uh, we need to look up how Miami plays against other teams' tight ends. Um, Don't know if that's a strong suit of theirs. Maybe Dallas Goddard, if healthy enough, which remember, he was just limited in practice yesterday, and we're forced to read between the lines with these injuries as to how ready a guy's going to be able to go on Sunday. I think they may, may, may by the way, them. you never, you never hear about Miami's tight ends. Cause uh, all you hear about is Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, but yeah, they're, they're top tight end Durham Smythe. Uh, who, who Durham, Durham Smythe. Another, I, I swear to God, half the league is either Notre Dame tight ends or Iowa. Are tight you ends. sure it's pronounced Smythe? I don't uh, know. I you you could be one hundred percent right. I got no idea. I never heard. Of I that. believe I recall playing, seeing him playing college. I believe that's right, but I'm not going to go a hundred percent. He's fifty third. He was a good. He was a very good college player. The whole league is Iowa or Notre Dame tight ends. You're talking tight ends, yes. Yeah. Iowa and Notre Dame are the two places yeah. you want to go to go get tight ends. I need John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We are specting. We are looking for the return of the dark night himself. Bob Groats hasn't been on with us for more than a month. 
how do we let Groats get away for a month? Um, glad to have him back in the mix. He's scheduled to join us. He of the Delco Times is going to hop up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Yeah, Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. We're hoping for the Prince of Darkness, uh, Bob Gross, to jump in with us here any minute. Uh, we'll get a chance to talk with BG. I haven't done that in a while. John, I wanted to ask about this because we talked a lot about receivers today. Uh, just finished up at Dallas Goddard in the fight tight end position. Uh, you got a chance to see, meet, greet, talk to for the first time Julio Jones, who's going to step in and have a role this week. Could be a big role this week if Devontae Smith is out of the lineup. Um, I did note this, and it, it I, I was shocked by it. And shame on me. I hadn't realized. I knew he was having an off year. I didn't know how often a, a year he was having. Hunter Renfro from the Raiders could be dealt before the trade deadline. 
Yeah. He's only yeah. got like six receptions in six games. This guy caught a hundred passes. He's the best slot receiver in the National Football League two years ago. What happened to Hunter Renfro? And is he going to really be traded before the trade deadline? Uh, yeah, there's been talk about him being moving. I, I saw Devontae Adams was complaining. Everybody's complaining out there. That's kind of what happens. Josh McDaniel shows up. Uh, yeah, I, uh, who knows? I, I mean, I haven't seen much Las Vegas Raiders football. Um, I know it's a tough watch, but, uh, He's not playing a lot. That's part of it. Um, why is he not playing a lot? I don't know. Um, you know, Josh is Josh. Um, not a very good head coach. Um, so obviously they have uh, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, and um, that would be their two top receivers. And then, Renpro is next, but he's not really far off. They have DeAndre Carter out there, former Eagles great. Um, Christian Wilkerson, yeah, I joke partially. Um, bunch of guys. Trey Tucker, don't even know who that is. Um, he's not playing that much. Don't was just surprised to see that A, his numbers were down that badly, and B, that uh, he was actually going to be made available if the eagles hadn't signed uh julio jones i know that they use their slot receivers differently than some other teams use their slot receivers but i think eagles the coaching staff is good enough that they could come up with a way to get the ball to hunter renfro if they got their hands on him yeah chance are it's not happening because they just made a move at wide receiver and i don't know how he's going to want to give up the draft capital that it would take to get a guy like Hunter Renfro, but I still think the game's a guy's got game, and I was surprised that he became available. All right, uh, are we ready to bring in Bob Groats? It's been a minute since we last talked to the Eagles beat writer from the Delco Times. How you been, Mister Groats? Uh, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, but uh, you know, any minute or now, my heart arrhythmia may take off. So, uh, you guys. If I get real excited, just let me know. We're, right? we're, we're, we're going to try to keep things light. I'll throttle down. You look good, though. You look good. Uh, hey, the hey. car looks clean, by the way. I'm yeah, impressed. Hey, I, I got to tell you. I got to clean I got to clean my car inside. Yeah. 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 Going through the locker room, and I, I know I'm getting ahead of you guys, but looking at Julio Jones across the way, I swear to God, I thought I was shopping at Nordstrom or something. He looks like a, a customer at Nordstrom, you know? I was just in there. The other day, he just looks so, I mean, does he look like a Hall of Famer, you know, just standing up there? Heck no, man. I don't I don't know about this. I mean, that that's no way to judge anybody. But, uh, I mean, he just looks like a regular guy. Maybe he can fit in. Maybe he can help. But I, as I was talking to John the other day, Jody, I don't, I don't see how they're going to, you know, how are they going to get him the ball? Well, if Devontae's not playing, it's going to be easier. Um, yeah, that, that was that was something that popped up sort of out of nowhere uh, with the hamstring. Um, so I was wondering why they brought him in. I was like, I thought it was an overreaction to one bad game. Everybody has bad games. I told Jody. Um, but now it makes some sense if Devontae Smith is going to be out for a week or two. Yeah, but he needs the ball a lot. And uh, AJ's going to need it. And Goddard's been great. I mean, Goddard last week had eight targets 
and five of those went for first downs. That's yeah, but good. the one maybe it was one, six. Uh, he's he been better. He's yeah. been better. We were just talking about Dallas before he came on. Obviously, he had a slow start to the season. Then he had the hundred yard game, and as you mentioned, but that he he hung jailing out to dry a little bit on that ball that got ricocheted. And who picked that off, Jody? Uh, that was uh, Quincy Williams, defensive Quincy. lineman, coming back up after the pressure yeah. and the quarterback got back yeah. into the play and got an INT. Yeah, I don't know if you can blame. I mean, you know that that stuff happens. You know. Well, yeah, the ball goes in the air. I mean, but I, I that wasn't an MVP throw either. You know, so. Well, but I, you know, I, I've always thought, and I correct me if I'm wrong, that Julio Jones is a guy. You got to, I mean, he, he's like one of those running backs, the great running backs, you know, the more you get him the ball, the, the, well, yeah, I, that, the well, more that's he does. Thing. I mean, I, I just don't see that. Now he's 34 years old. It, this is going to be interesting. I mean, if they, if this thing works out, you know, I, I will be the first one to, to salute, you know, um, you know, Prince. Well, I did because you know? I, I got, I got a lot of fan feedback and it, you know, it's always, you know, best case scenario. And they're like, well, he'll, he'll replace Zach Pascal. I'm like, this guy's going to the hall of fame. He's not going to be happy blocking and getting one catch every six quarters. Um, yeah, I'm with you. And then red zone, he's a big body. First of all, they already have two big bodies. They don't use in the red zone. And that's the one thing, even in his prime of his career, Atlanta used to get killed on because they never threw him the football in the red zone. That that was one of the faults on him, and yeah. uh, and not not just because of that divisional game with the Eagles um, at the length, which he claimed he did not Super remember. Bowl. By the way, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and they say cornerbacks have short memories, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Wide receivers can have that too. But here's why I think both of you are overstating the. Oh my God! How the hell is he going to face a Hall of Famer? We're two years removed from him being in Atlanta. He went to Tennessee where he was the number two wide receiver behind a guy by the name of A.J. Brown. And then he went to Tampa last year where he was unquestionably behind uh, their two top wide receivers. So he slotted in, had to slot in, knew he was slotting in at number three. It's not like they're asking him to take this woeful little role where he's been the man every year in his career. No, we're two years from removed from him being the man. So why are you guys so nervous about him understanding, accepting, and dealing with his role? Well, I think there's a big difference, and I'll let Bob answer, but to me there's a big difference from, um, yeah, accepting your 34 and scaling things back than being Zach Pascal. That's I think there's a big difference between those two things. Um, he's going to want the ball. If you look at it, our, his last three years, nine games in Atlanta, he got hurt, uh, 51 catches, 10 games in Tennessee, 31, and 10 games in Tampa, 24. So he's at least catching the football uh, two or three times a game. That hasn't been the case with the Eagles' third receiver. <laughs> That's because the Eagles' third receiver has been Quez Watkins. Um, de Zacchaeus as well. Uh, so... I mean, they just – the problem is the Eagles have a lot of playmakers. We talk about it all the time. So 
the average team doesn't have a second receiver like Devontae Smith. The average team doesn't have a tight end like Dallas Goddard. And they can't get those guys traffic. And then you 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 trickle it down to number four. And it might be number five because all of a sudden they have DeAndre Swift involved in the passing game from the running back position. Yeah, I think it's different, Jody. I think it's different than it's not like Tennessee, which doesn't throw the ball. It's not like it's going to be an issue, but uh, is it going to do any good? I mean, is he going to get the ball? Is he going to get the ball the number of times that'll make him efficient, effective? I don't. I I don't know. And uh, they've not done a good job of uh, dispersing the the ball to the the wide receivers this year. Uh, although I do, uh, I'll correct that a little bit. I do like what they've done with with AJ Brown. They kind of, I mean, he's he's the clear go to guy now, and uh, so that and that's been effective. I mean, they're five and one, but uh, yeah, I. I don't know about this. Um, I kind of, you know, they they have had success. The Eagles bringing in guys, veterans that have uh, been to the Super Bowl or or won the Super Bowl, and uh, and I think it could help along those lines. But uh, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, I I, I certainly don't think that he's going to rescue the passing game, and and the passing game needs to be um, refined at this point. And uh, I'm certainly with you there, Bob. Do I think he's going to make a massive difference in the Eagles offense? No. Is he better than Quez Watkins? Yes. Plain and simple. I think he's better than Quez Watkins. I think the Eagle offense is better today than it was. Last, uh, go back as many weeks as you need to to get Quez healthy. But Quez in the lineup. And if you're the general manager, you're always looking upgrade. Has anybody, have either of you guys been able to unearth what his contract is? Is it no, anything more than the veteran yeah. minimum? Yeah, I, I think no, he's getting paid. I, I, yeah, he's getting more than that. I, think he I haven't has seen incentives. it, but I guarantee he's getting yeah, more than I, that. I think I read something where he has incentives for uh, blocks made in the run game. <laughs> well, he's not getting those. Uh, Big body. But, Is he yeah. getting a clothing allowance? In, By the uh, way. I happened to notice how well-dressed he was in the Eagles locker room. <laughs> no, Maybe no, he was wasn't well he looked like an he looked like your average guy shopping. Well, he like he had an eagle sweatshirt and everything. On, so, it was uh, like I thought, man, I've seen this guy, you know, like uh but you know, he he's been been around the block. He, he bring uh they they can always use some experience, you know, with the with the wide receivers and uh and AJ Brown um you know, he'll be like a not a security blanket, but I'm sure those two guys will uh You know, well, you brought up uh AJ Brown, Bob. Um Coming in, Tyree Kill obviously leads the NFL in receiving yards. AJ's now number two because Jefferson got hurt. Um, so he's number two. Um, I thought he was number four. Yeah. I think he's number two now, I believe. I could be wrong, but okay. I believe uh I believe it's Hill then AJ. Um Donovan McNabb said something that ever since the dust up, um uh, the Eagles have gone heavy A.J. Brown, which they have. Now, A.J. claims it had nothing to do with targets, but he thinks the Eagles have gotten more predictable because all they do is throw the ball to A.J. Brown. Where where, where are you on that? Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I, he, he definitely is open. and, um, and He's he, always he, open. Yeah, it's right. It's been a lot of run after the catch, too. And they need that. Um, but they're, they're still... I mean, I the way that they 
pretty much won their five games is is running the ball and burning the clock. They still lead the league in um, number of plays. It's, it's like 427, 428. More, yeah, their time more of possession like, is uh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The other the other four or five teams in the in the top five, they're all ordinary or bad teams. So this this Eagles formula is interesting. It works. They keep the ball away from uh, the opposition. By the way, they they better they better do some of that this weekend with Miami to reduce their number of possessions because uh, we all know what uh, Miami is capable of with Tua. Yeah, let me since you brought it up, John. I'll ask both you guys. Do you believe that Devontae Smith got 11 targets this week because the Eagles feared what Donovan McNabb had said. Uh-oh, they're giving it too much to AJ. Do you really think that passed through the gray area of anyone in the Eagles' brain trust? Yeah, no. not not because of Donovan. No. Yeah, I, I, do I think that happens? Yeah. No. I, I, I just brought it up because um, I didn't think it reverberated with the Eagles. No. I, I was just trying to... Do you buy into what Donovan was saying at all? That they're they're not uh, they're not moving the football. They're not getting other people involved um, as much as they should. Is basically the so only th- reason. Basically, you got you agree with Donovan? I no, I don't agree with Donovan. Yeah, neither do I. I no. I I definitely think there's something to this. When really, it's an inordinate number of of touches compared to the other. Oh yeah, I know it was an issue last year. Um. And they, it's interesting the way that the thing will, will adjust. Now, did he want to throw it that many times? I'm not sure. But did they want to make more of an effort to get it to Devontae? Yeah. I mean, come on, you guys. I mean, Nick is Well, hugging. yeah, after last week, that's what they do. No, that part I agree with because they've done that consistently. Like week one in Detroit last year, right. Devontae didn't get a reception. They went to him right away. Then he they got up. all the heat with Dallas Goddard. All of a sudden, he gets uh, a hundred-yard game. Yeah, they do that all the time. In fact, I told Jody on the show last week, bet the over on Devonte Smith because he only had one yeah, catch. And I did. Gonna, How'd that work out for me, they, they were going to thank over-correct. you very much for dropping the ball all over the yeah. place. And he would have if if he didn't drop the ball. Um, but he dropped the ball. Um, Damn! But yet my yet my wagering site took my money. They didn't say, yeah, you know, he would have had it if he caught it, Joe. So we won't, yeah. we won't charge you. They still took my well, money. Blame, I'm, I'm saying blame Devonte. Don't blame me. I was on the right track, as you mentioned. Eleven targets. They were trying to get him involved, um, and he would have been way over. What was it? The number was 52, fifty-three and a half. I got 53 it. Fifty-three and a half. If he catches one of those two balls, he's way over. But he didn't. Um, you know, so blame the player. Don't blame, don't blame me. <laughs> All right, uh, Mr. Groats, I'm on record. The Miami Dolphins are scoring a minimum, minimum of 30 points this week. They're averaging 35, 36, 35 and change. So it would be below their average at 30 points, which means the Eagles are going to have to score at least 31. That simple math I'm good at. Um can Eagles win a shootout against the Dolphins? Because I think that's the way. If both teams are scoring in the thirty, I've officially deemed it a shootout. Can Eagles win a shootout with Miami? Yeah, and it, I, I think they can. If it, and it depends on that uh, the run game too, and control or or controlling the ball. They're also um, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but they're they're first in the league in third down conversions. 
So uh, they, the Eagles are, yeah, yeah. They uh, keep the sticks moving. They got they got the plays. That and just simply reducing the the possessions of the Dolphins is going to help. And I think you're going to see some of that. And, all right. So uh, let me ask you this, because okay. John and I went through this before. What happens if the Dolphins come out and stop the Eagles' run early? Because John said that, hey, you can't blame them for throwing as many times as they did last week because the Eagles tried to run it early, and they got diddly squat. The Jets stepped up and stopped the run. What happens if the Dolphins do that? They step up and stop the run, and the Eagles are averaging 1.4 yards per carry on their first 10 yeah, carries. Shocked, first of all, because their, their defense isn't that good. But if they did, um, throw it. I mean, they don't. They, the, the Dolphins don't have that many guys. Yeah, I've I've said that. Yeah, Jody, uh, you only gave one part of that. I said that was part of it, but the second part was, and the Jets were down their top four corners, so they they wanted to throw the football. Of course, they're starting secondary. Yeah. Yeah. So it was both parts of the equation. And this week, I think first two red zone possessions. So they got off to a pretty good start with that pass game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they had 19-play drive the first time they had the football. but um, And they converted a bunch of third downs uh, on that drive. Um, and they've been over 60% on third downs over the past, I think, three or four games. So they've been tremendous on third downs. But here's, here's the Miami Dolphins. Here's what I think of Miami. And I want to run this by you, uh, Bob. I think they're a very good team, and they've proven that. And I think people dismiss. To me, the definition of uh, of a good team is beat who you're supposed to beat, and they pretty much drummed who they're supposed to beat. Um, to be a great team, then you got to be competitive with the other good teams you're playing. And they've only had one opportunity, and that was at Buffalo, and they got beat by four touchdowns. Can we just say the Miami Dolphins are a great team or they got to prove something by going on the road against a good team and not only winning, but, hey, let's play competitive before we win. Yeah, now they're, they're definitely not a great team. They're a great offense. But uh, the other components, I'm, you know, and that running back, they're not going to have him. The guy, what, what is he, like the, the second fastest guy in the league? He's yeah, they got the they got the I think they got the top six and like eight of ten in that's, game uh, uh, speeds for NFL players are all Miami. They're very yeah. fast. But there is more to that. And, and McDaniel, uh, Mike McDaniel, great play caller. Is he a great head coach? I'm not so sure about that. I mean, right. uh, but he's then, got Vic Fangio and, and another Vic. 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 I mean, he, he definitely knows what the Eagles are going to do. And, yes, uh, he does. He does. He doesn't even have to look at his notes. You know, he can go right to the, right to. Nick the- had a great quote about Vic. He's a big Phillies fan. For those who don't know, Vic Fangio. So maybe yeah. he's distracted this well, week. Well, Nick. Nick also said that uh, you know he doesn't know everything about us. Oh yeah, he does. He yeah. knows. Yeah, he yeah. knows everything. You know. Yeah. Um, All right. But- so here's what I need to know for both of you guys. Fine. If the Miami Dolphins right now are not a great team, that's. If that's your evaluative process and you don't come up with great, very good at best, is there a great team in the National Football League or are we bereft of them? Are there no great teams in the National Football League right now? Because if Miami's not, 
Please tell me who is. Who's a great football yeah. team in the National Football League right now? I, I don't see any right now. There's a bunch of good teams, but great team. This is including the, the Philadelphia but, Eagles. Eagles yeah. aren't great. This is the yeah. Well, no, I mean uh, they got they have some holes, but uh, but they also uh, until this last game they had some momentum. They kind of collapsed in that fourth quarter. But uh, no, I mean uh, they look. Washington took them to overtime. That that was kind of that was kind of strange, but if if you look at last year's record too, this is kind of the way that they played last year. They had the same time. They almost lost to Arizona last year, and Arizona was no good. I mean, there there's like these little landmines all over the state. Yeah, everybody has bad games. It's not about having a bad game. My my um, well maybe great good versus great proven is what I would say like. San Francisco has won games against good teams uh, in, in the past. Uh, the Eagles have won, you know, in the past, uh, are more proven. Even teams like Buffalo, um, Kansas City, obviously. Um, Baltimore, if you're looking at top 10 level teams, they're more proven. This group isn't proven. So until I see them beat somebody with a reputation, I'm a little more hesitant. Same with Detroit. Detroit looks very good. But to me, they're not proven. Um, and until they beat somebody with some kind of reputation, it's tough to go all so in you, on this. John, one. you consider great over years. Yeah. You're taking yeah. it for more than just the six games yeah. that have been played this year. Yeah. Well, and if they would have beat Buffalo 48-20, except the opposite, I'd be much higher then if that game didn't exist, um, I would be much higher on the Dolphins. Or if they beat Buffalo by four touchdowns, I'd say, well, that's a really good team. But that's what happened. They went into Buffalo, and they didn't just lay an egg. They got beat by four touchdowns against a team that almost lost to the Giants, by the way, uh, last week. So let me ask you this, both of you guys. If they come in here and beat the Eagles in Philadelphia as an underdog, Eagles two, two and a half point favorite, would that achieve great status for them? Do the Eagles measure up to one of those teams? Hey, you got to beat somebody before we attach the word great. Eagles on the road Sunday. Does that make Miami great if they win the game? Well, it certainly makes them more, it makes them better. Yeah, more, I, I I would be much more. But, but I would a, say that's a signature win. For yeah, Miami. there's a lot of dynamics in this game, uh, or a lot of drama. Like the quarterback thing is huge. You know, how are those two guys going to react? I mean, this is the first time that they've uh, played each other since uh, they lost their since Tua took uh, Jalen's job. Right, this is their first showdown. How are they? I mean, I'm I'm really interested to see you know how Hertz responds to this and his teammates. This is a that was a big deal. I mean, he, has he been resilient since then? Obviously, near MVP season. But can you? I I just I still can't imagine this. Like you look up and you make eye contact with this guy, who who was the symbol of your your greatest failure. You know. How can you not think about that? You know, it's just, I, I don't think it's comprehensible. Oh, I, I do. I mean, he I, went through that. You know what? He went, when they went down to Miami, he had to go through all that crap. I, um, they're actually friends. They don't, they don't care. You can be care. friends. Hey, you can be friends. It, it, kind of like the guy who got, who, who married the woman you wanted to marry or something like that. 
How can you not look at that guy every day, every time you say hello and say you, you know, whatever, you know, like it's, it's just human. And in a roundabout way, I think it helped Jalen because he got to go to Oklahoma and put up the big numbers with Lincoln Riley. And if he didn't, he's probably a, you know, fourth round pick. You know, I think it actually helped him. Who's to say, who's to say he wouldn't have rallied Alabama. After halftime, you know, he had a bad first half. Who's to say he wouldn't have bounced back? I mean, well, there, that, a lot of that, that would be Nick Saban. He was the only he, voice that carried right. or mattered. And he said he had two a good in there. Uh, and I'm, I'm shocked that uh, you went. He saw something, Jody. You, you got to give him credit. He saw something in the practices and that. And you Well, know. he said two is a more, I always use the term, high volume thrower. And that's what he wanted. And he is. He still is. He always will be. He's a he's a different type of quarterback. He's a, a, a more high volume thrower, and Jalen goes about it a different way, and that's what Nick Saban wanted. Uh, All right, L- last one for me, Bob Groats, and this may be the most important question you ask answer all week. Kelly Green. Now, <laughs> John and I are both on record as not trying not to be overly exercised by the color uniform that the Eagles wear and makes us both roll our eyes when people make as big a deal about it as it is. I like the Kelly Green. I, I, I would like to buy a Kelly Green jersey. They When they hit the market, it was so unbelievable. You couldn't get your hands on them. Um, uh, that's the team that I grew up in Philadelphia. Not grew up, but when I got to Philadelphia when I was 29 years old, that's what they were wearing. That's the first Eagle team that I remember. So I'm kind of excited about the Kelly Green, not to the levels of some people, but if they go out and get smoked on Sunday, All are right. we ever going to see the Philadelphia Eagles in Kelly Green again? That would Does, be a really Well, I, they're wearing them again this year. They got to wear them twice, don't they, Bob? I don't even pay. Do they that. have to? Is there a rule that once you? Well, I think they already announced. Energy? I think they already announced they're yeah. wearing them twice. I, Announce announcements can be rethought and reorganized, can they not? I got to get Jeff Kerr. He's the one who knows all yeah. this. So yeah. I, I believe they're wearing them twice. Um, they're yeah, scheduled I, to wear them twice. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're. Yeah. They lose 42 to 10. They're going to roll out the yeah, Kelly Green gonna, for a second game, win. John? Yeah, they're going to wear them twice. They're going to wear them twice. And okay. I could I'm glad care to hear that. I could care less. <laughs> but that's me. That's personally. I know a lot of people love it. And hey, love it. Love it if you love it. I will recognize what they're wearing this week. Typically, I always say 10 minutes after the game is over, if you ask me what they were wearing, I couldn't tell you. I will know. They are wearing Kelly Green this week, but only because people make such a big deal out of it. It's not going to matter whether they win or lose, whether they're wearing Kelly Green or black or white or midnight green. If they play well, they'll win. If they play poorly, they'll lose. It's going to have nothing to do with the color of the jersey. Yeah, well, that Kelly Green, too. I mean, they weren't that good when they were wearing it. Yeah, that's the funny part. Kind of a symbol of angst, you know, like... They've been much better with Midnight Green. And, and Real, you know, and standing in the pocket and getting hit by eight guys, you know, boom. Or Ed George holding. <laughs> yeah, but, he led the league holding one year, right? Holding penalties. But Buddy Ryan did make the playoffs. He couldn't win when he got there, but yeah. he did get them to the playoffs a bunch in Kelly Green. Yeah. Um, 
and and it's right because McDonald's got an opinion, uh, McMullen's got an opinion, Groat's got an opinion. The only opinion that matters is Jeff Laurie, and I think that he actually reads into it that there is a a level of ego play that is determined by their uniform. Which yeah, no, I I know I, as as little as I know Jeffrey Laurie. Yeah, he don't give a rat's ass about that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think so? Then what took him so long to come back to Kelly Green? Well, the the the, the NFL has these weird. Um, as they usually do, because it's so over-legislated, they have these weird uniform rules, and you got to have the same helmet, you got to have an alternate helmet with an alternate jersey, and they had to wait all these years. Now, it's a marketing boon, and I'm, I'm surprised that it took them so long to get it done, because, you know, he's picking the pocket of the fan base, um, but they're enjoying it. So as long as you're enjoying it, they're making a lot of money, um, that party cares about, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think Jeffrey Laurie is going to say, oh, we lost because we had Kelly green jerseys on. Um, I, I, he's not that superstitious. Okay. Though. We'll see about that one. I gross right. last question right. for me. I need it, it, again, uh, maybe the most, by the way, week 12 versus Buffalo. They're also going to wear them week seven this week. Week 12 versus Buffalo. What time is that Buffalo game? Is that a Sunday at one game? Um, Buffalo, no, nothing Sunday at one. Uh, Buffalo is 425. Yeah, they should, they should wear it in the sunshine, but that's just me. All right, Bob Groats, when the game is over and the Eagles have won and Nick Sirianni is standing in the clubhouse amongst his men and they've got a camera rolling and the coach says, I've only got one game ball to give out. And this week it's going to who's that going to be? Oh, uh, Jalen Hurts definitely. If they win, oh yeah, and he'll bring up that whole Alabama thing and all that other stuff. Yeah, exercise. This this is Jalen Hurts' championship game all over. You know, with with Tua. Um, so you know that would definitely be the guy. If they win, doesn't even matter what he does. If they win, you know that. I'm he's giving out five because they're going to run for two hundred yards. They're going to overcorrect. And, and any time they hit 200 yards, it gives one to every offensive lineman. Um, so I'm going to go five to the offensive line. Okay. Uh, 200 yards. But Jalen is going to be a big part of that because he's going to run for like 60 of it. That's my prediction. If Jalen goes for 60, the Eagles will have a very good offensive day. Bob Groats, you're looking good. Uh you look like you're shopping it better than where I guess you think Julio Jones is shopping. But yeah, Julio was wearing an Eagle sweatshirt. <laughs> Why are you telling Julio? A regular yeah. shopper at Nordstrom. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I was just there and I thought, God, did I see him at this store? I may have seen him at the store. Who knows? Yeah. The Nordstrom rack. It's not like he was coming in with a suit on from the Nordstrom rack. Yeah. He it was had that... an Eagles uh, sweatshirt on. Yeah. It was the Nordstrom, not the rack. Yeah. yeah the rack. Yeah. Great place, though. Highly it is a great place. It's a All great right. place for I, people I, like I, us, not Julio Jones, who makes millions of dollars. Yeah, it's good. I place. can't even afford to shop at Nordstrom. I don't know where how that became Nordstrom Rack. It's not the same. Right. Yeah, just double checking on that one. Right, guys, uh, Groats, glad to see Thanks, and hear you're feeling better. Thanks, bud. All right, see you guys. Bob Groats from the Delco Times here with us on Birds 365.
Both of you guys are just underselling the addition of Julio Jones. It's, if it's a well, he's underselling game. Julio's. Uh, I don't know why he's killing Julio's uh, for his outfit. And you're, in my estimation, underselling the smart move, not questionable, smart move by Howie Roseman adding Julio Jones. Now I got to go out. I got to check my gambling website and see what the over-under is on yards for Julio. I got to take the over this week. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. We'll put a bow on the show here on Birds You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. And Mac here with you on Bird Street 65. Last couple of minutes uh, on today's show. Thank both Greg Cody and Bob Gross for hopping on. Both did a nice job giving us an added perspective to the game coming up against the Dolphins on Sunday. I checked my wagering app. No yards listed for any wide receiver. Not A.J. Brown, not anybody. They have not posted the Eagles uh, receiving yards yet. Um, 
I'm telling you, I'm going to get action on that before Sunday. Julio going to go for what was what was Quez's biggest day of the year this year? Like um, thirty yards. I don't know. It wasn't very big though. <clears throat> you know, thirty yards one game. He make one catch for about seventeen or eighteen yards. Whatever that number is, if Julio's number is listed below that, I'm taking you over. You'll have more yards in his first game than Quez You're had in any up game. In, in Quez Watkins, man. It's not – I feel like nothing I say gets through Quez Watkins. It's not about Quez Watkins. It's about, um, it's about the fit for this particular team. Now, if Devontae Smith is hurt, uh, changes everything, which is what I said. And, you know, he shows up on the injury report with a hamstring, which is a big deal for receivers. And as I said, Sidney Brown missed three games, finally back as a full practice. Fast guys, it's a big deal. Quez is on injured reserve because of a hamstring. Um, and he's probably going to be out longer than those four games. Um Hamstrings are a big deal for receivers. And by the way, <clears throat> the reason Julio Jones hasn't played more than 10 games over the past three years, every single time, hamstring. Hamstring, hamstring, hamstring. Every single time, Jody. That's the, the he, he played nine games this last year in Atlanta, played 10 games over the last two years, has had hamstring uh, difficulties. Uh, throughout the three seasons. And one last thing, I know we got to go. Mar uh, Mario Goodrich is back on the practice squad. So uh, we, we predicted that yesterday yeah. that uh, he'd get through waivers. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to take a little shot here, John. This is, is your Ballywick. I know it wasn't you, but Sports Illustrated, Eagle article today, signing of Julio Jones, Quez Watkins trade coming? Question mark. No, he's on injured reserve. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Yeah. Who? who uh, nah, I don't want to say. I don't want to uh, throw them under the bus. Yeah. He's on stinking injured reserve. We've right. been through this with Zach Ertz. You can't trade injured players. You can't yeah. trade injured players. <sighs> and, oh, by the way, as he's not going to be cleared in time before the trade deadline, so he can't be dealt. And, oh, by the way, if he could be dealt, you're not getting anything for him anyway. So, and the, the coaching staff seems to still be in love with him. So he would not get traded. Uh, not good. All right, brother. Tomorrow's Friday, football Friday. You in? Uh, yeah. Hour, we'll be hour here. One. Are you getting out again? Yeah. You got, uh, yeah. got uh, Nick Seriani duty. Um, yeah. Big week after, um, you know, uh, a non-inspiring performance against the uh, New York Jets, shall we say. So J-Mac will be here for the first hour tomorrow. We'll make up the second hour somehow, some way. Uh, but, yes, it's a football Friday. We'll be right back here on Bird Street 65 in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.